Greetings, grave robbers, and welcome to Not Stay Doomed. This is a very special Plus Two comedy show. A few weeks ago, we had the Adult Fan Fiction World Championship, where I scoured the globe looking for the greatest writers of adult fan fiction, and they offered this up for you to enjoy. The show was so good, I had to share it with everybody, so there will not be a Stay Doomed. Instead, we're going to dive into some adult fan fiction. The show is in two parts. The first part is the amateur round where contestants got to write about whatever they wanted and recorded a video and sent it in. So uh, this is a bit adult, hence the word adult fan fiction. But uh, we wanted to share this with you, so please enjoy a very special episode of Stay Doomed. Please enjoy part one of the Adult Fan Fiction World Championships. Our first competitor represents the Flying Bee Theater. I usually do this joke where I say, we have competitors from all over the world, but we, we actually do. We, we have competitors from New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, D.C., Maryland, California, and England. So it's the closest to a world championship we've ever had. So please enjoy representing the Flying Bee Theater. It is Zach Fernbach. King's Speech by Zach Fernabach. Dr. Lionel Logue was in utter disbelief as he passed through security at FMC Fort Worth. Never in his life did he expect to step foot into an American federal prison. He was a visitor, of course, not a convicted felon, but he always thought his first trip across the pond would be, well, different, much different. He often imagined going to New York City to see a Broadway show, to not so secretly relive his childhood dreams of becoming a famous actor, or a holiday to Portland, Maine, to visit the gravesite of his second favorite poet, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Really, though, anything would be an improvement over hot and humid Texas. What is my life? He thought to himself as he patted his damp armpits with a handkerchief. Who knew sweat could penetrate a tweed blazer? And who really knew what to wear when consulting with a new client from behind bars? Certainly not Dr. Logue, world-renowned speech and language therapist best known for treating England's King George VI of his speech impediment, or rather his pronounced stammer, back in 1927. As Dr. Logue made his way through the dispiriting human zoo, where the most foul animals of the American Southwest were caged, he was startled, even a bit haunted, by the desperate faces that stared at him. Arsonists, murderers, rapists, lost souls of all kinds were on display, hollow humans in packed pens. At the end of a seemingly interminable cement corridor, Dr. Logue was escorted into a private room. You've got 30 minutes, one of the guards reminded him. Dr. Logue took note of the guard's impressive drawl and nodded in understanding. I was, I was surprised to receive your letter, Dr. Logue said, entering the room which was bisected by a glass wall. It's nice to meet you, Mr. Maldonado Passage. Joe's fan. I've heard a lot about you. Everyone has. Everybody wants to talk shit about Joe Exotic. Now they can't say it to my face because I'm behind bars. That's the kind of fucked up world we live in, Doc. Uh, Lionel is fine. Logue responded. Now that's a name. That's a good name. Lionel. 
I'd maybe change it to Tigernol, but that's already a medicine. It's not. It's called Tylenol. But Joe Exotic was used to distorting reality, living in his own fantasies. And he had this bizarre ability to bring most of those fantasies to life. That's why life behind bars was so intolerable to him. He was unable to manipulate his way to freedom. But that's why he reached out to Logue in the first place. When I saw you in the movie, I knew I had to reach out before my appeal next week. Indeed, well, I'm always open to being challenged. Yeah, well, you will be physically and mentally challenged with me. Don't you worry. Logue ignored Joe's odd phrasing and began to take out a small black book and a recording device from his leather work bag. Right, well, we've only got 30 minutes, so let's get started, shall we? Here, read this. Logue passed Joe the book through the narrow slot in the glass. What's this, the Bible? In a way, Logue smirked. Read the earmarked passage, please. I'm going to record your voice and then play it back to you on this machine. Joe tucked a few stray hairs from his overgrown mullet behind his ears. The party was not just in the back anymore, but spreading to the sides. And just as Joe was about to read, opera music began to play over the prison's speaker system at an almost deafening volume. Ignore it and proceed. Joe cleared his throat. <coughs> to be or not to be, that is the question, whether tis nobbler in the mind to suffer the slangs and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against the seas of troubles. As Logue listened to this redneck Tarzan recite one of his favorite soliloquies, he started to see a new man behind the glass in front of him, a man embodied by poetic irony, a tool which both Shakespeare and Joe Exotic wielded so deftly. As Logue's ears lingered on every word that fell from Joe's mouth and directly onto the floor in a spitty puddle, his eyes scanned his body. Loose loops of skin covered his face where decades-old piercings used to be, his face and neck darkened and scarred by the might of the Oklahoma sun. This was the portrait of a modern-day American, Logue thought, and he was strangely in awe. Logue was much too old for Joe's tastes, 121 years too old, in fact. Logue knew this. He had seen the documentary. He never knew how these young men became so enwrapped. He assumed it was due to a manipulative addiction to methamphetamines, but now, sitting across from Joe, he could feel something more than drugs, something more powerful. It was pheromones. It was an animalistic musk, and as a speech therapist and an amateur actor, Logue was acutely attuned to his senses. Joe Exotic's enchanting odor was transformative, and before Logue's very eyes, Joe's orange polyester jumpsuit began to develop stripes. His mullet started to grow further down his back and formed a powerful tail. Joe Exotic was now anamorphing into what the kids these days called a furry, an anthropomorphic tiger with questionable taste in anime and a need to hump. And at an impossible 140 years old, Dr. Logue needed a good hump. With the prowess that cats of all sizes possess, Furry Joe Exotic squeezed through the mail slot-sized hole in the glass between them and purred, If I fits, I sits. This creature was now as sexy as he was quirky, and promptly pounced on Logue, knocking him off his chair and onto the cracked tile ground. 
Joe then opened wide his toothy-ish mouth and stuck out his floppy tongue. Does it feel good to get slobbered on by a 500-pound tiger and everybody envy you? Absolutely, Logue responded. Absolutely, it does. Now you do me, Joe rolled onto his back. Give me a life sentence and lick the nine lives right out of me. Finally, the part Logue was born to play. This was his hamlet. To lick or not to lick, there was no question. To lick, he shouted triumphantly and began to trace Joe's plushy body with his soggy mouth slug. He moved from his face down to his chest and from his chest to his pelvis. And once he got to Joe's cargo shorts, he paused. Keep going, Joe dared. Bow down to your king. That order shook Logue to his core. His king? No, he had but one king, and he was no tiger. He was a Brit, a fine Brit indeed, a man of honor and dedication, and a man he affectionately called Bertie. What are you waiting for? Joe asked impatiently. Pet me, pet me. Uh, I, I went, Logue commanded. I can't do this to my king. I can't betray Bertie. I can't. Logue shot up from his seat. Can you shut the fuck up? I'm trying to read, and it's already difficult. Joe yelled at Logue from behind the glass, tapping on it incessantly. What? Logue responded, shaking himself out of a daydream. That's right. He was in the middle of a session. What happened to him? Enough! Joe threw the book down, and the blaring opera music halted with a record scratch. What is reading ever gonna teach me? I still sound the same. Oh, uh, or do you? Logue questioned, wryly collecting himself, and with a finger as curly as his smile, he pressed play on the recording device. Just listen. And he did. They both did. And they were both beyond shocked. I told you, Joe exclaimed. I can't believe I sold my last cub for this. I, I, I can't believe this. It should have worked. This is a proven technique that should have shown you that your speech impediment is all in your head. Speech impediment? I ain't got no speech impediment. That's just how I talk. I wanted you to teach me to speak British to impress the judge, not audition me for Romeo and Juliet. Uh, it's actually Hamlet. I don't care if it's Carol Baskin's dead husband's will. Now get the fuck out of my sight, you fake. For the first time in his life, Logue was speechless. He gathered his things and shoved them into his bag without care. He shuffled out the door and it slammed behind him. Joe sat in silence, in a cage of his own making, and stared up at the ceiling. I'm never going to financially recover from this. Uh. The end. Thank you. Give it up for Zach in the chat. <laughs> yeah, Zach is a writer, and uh, you can check him out at the Flying V Theater. Uh, the Flying V Theater is also going to throw that link back in there again. Uh, so if you want to donate to find people like Zach to create things like that, like mouth slugs, <laughs> then uh, please check that link out. Uh, Flying V Theater will drop it in there in a moment. Uh, <laughs> so that was the Tiger King speech. <laughs>
<laughs> Stop yelling at me to do things. This show is entirely different when the crowd can actively talk to each other during it. <laughs> that brings a whole new level to this show that I had never expected. <laughs> but I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. Uh, our uh, next... Oh, I also wanted to say, um, if, you, if you enjoyed Zach, uh, Zach actually did our first Flying V adult fan fiction, uh, and he did The Great British Bake Off. And you can listen to that on Awesome Audio. And uh, our next competitor comes all the way from England. Uh, she has competed in this before, so this, this is her show. second time here on the show. And uh, she is an actor, and she's f absolutely fantastic. Please make some noise in the chat. I, I, can't, I don't know how to say things without asking for applause as a host, even though I know you can't do it. Please... Type the letter T repeatedly in the chat for Shelly Snyder. This is Shelly Snyder for the Plus Two Comedy Slash Fiction World Championships, coming to you from London Lockdown. Our story takes place in a quaint little village in the countryside. The cottages are thatched, the pints are cellar temperature, and the people have lovely soft accents. They're polite and gentle for the most part, but safely hidden behind closed doors, their secret deviances come out. Oh yes, there's a market for someone who knows how to push those special buttons. And living amongst them, you've learned their dark desires. You've set up shop, and you've made it your mission to draw out the worst in people and make them enjoy it. You've always relished wielding power over others, and here in your custom-built dominatrix hideaway, you have a good time doing it. It's a lovely day in the sex dungeon, and you are a horrible goose. Honk. Honk, honk, honk. Excellent, you think. The groundskeeper's getting nice and wet now. You've got him wearing nothing but a sun hat, and it won't be too long before he begs you to come in his garden. It proved to be so easy to get these villagers out of their comfort zones. Sure, at first you had to steal their newspapers, smack a few teacups out of their hands to get them to notice you. But once you went shopping for a few toys on the high street market and got on TV in a small budget commercial, they practically beat a path to your nest. No one could have guessed how the thought of being dominated would give so many people around here goosebumps. But once you swanned in, the waiting list was round the block, and now you've got your own private BDSM studio titled Foul Play. But back to the groundskeeper. You step back and admire your work. You haven't seen tears like this since you trapped that local boy in a phone booth and forced him to wear his neighbor's glasses just to get out. The shopkeeper came close when you orchestrated him being locked in that garage with you and your delightful little machinations. But this old man hasn't used his safe word yet, so it hasn't gone far enough. After spending his life in the dirt, a bit of humiliation just won't do. You take a gander at your tools and consider that you just might have to break the broom to satisfy this one. It feels so good to be so good at something that just comes naturally. No need for chasing gold stars or princesses to feel like a success. And you definitely don't need to travel all over the countryside on some smelly horse called Pony Danza just to feel like you've achieved something. No. 
you can win awards for staying right here in this little model village and stirring up the locals, taking and breaking whatever you want and making anyone watching beg for more. Who would have guessed the fat white goose wearing a pretty blue ribbon around the neck and nothing else would be enough to bring a quivering population to its knees? The groundskeeper is moving towards something now, and you smirk when you see him straining to ring the little golden bell you let guests keep within reach. That little signal for your otherwise incapacitated guests to say that they want your attention that they want you to let them go and come be soft and sweet and cuddly just for a little bit, just like a normal pet goose. You waddle up, and maintaining one cold eye's contact with the groundskeeper, you take the bell in your sharp beak and slowly, slowly so that he can follow its trajectory, throw it over your shoulder onto a pile of other golden bells. You watch his expression when he sees the dozens of others and how the rest of his afternoon is about to be spent. You will never be tamed. Release was never an option. Shelly Snyder sadly getting upstaged by her cat, but a fantastic fan fiction for the untitled Goose Game. So be sure... Sorry, that one really got me. <laughs> so we'd like to thank Shelly Snyder uh, recording that. It's it's like two in the morning for her right now. So thank you so much for recording that. All the way from England, thank you for all the teas in the chat, which is how we've decided applause works on a whim. And uh, lots of love for the cat. <laughs> lots, lots of love for the cat. So uh, our next one uh, comes from Jeff Stormer of The Party of One podcast. Uh, Jeff is a very creative guy, and he told me specifically not to watch his until it aired. So uh, I I don't know what we're about to see, but uh, Jeff Stormer has created this for us. This is a Jeff Stormer. Hey, not not yet, Jeff. This is a Jeff Stormer original. So please get excited for a Jeff Stormer original fan fiction. It went away. All right. Now get ready for it. Tease in the chat. Hello, everyone. Jeff Stormer here. Podcaster, game designer, professional wrestling commentator, eggnog enthusiast, two-time Time Magazine Person of the Year. The list goes on. When no invited me to take part in the amateur division of the Adult Fan Fiction World Championships, I was faced with a particular challenge. You see, previously, I participated in the professional round where... Topics were given to us. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to pay attention. I could just kind of come in, make some bits, and leave. The amateur round was a little different. I had to think about not just what I wanted, but really what everyone, the characters that everyone wanted to see, go down to Bone Town. And so I thought about it long and hard, and I realized of all of the great pop culture loves, there were two pop culture characters that I love more than any other, and that more importantly... I felt like if these characters were to meet, they would have an amazing chemistry and we would see something really fun and sexy and powerful come out of that. So without any further ado, here is the story of my two favorite pop culture characters meeting and falling in love. Hey, party people. Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. 
I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer, and this week my guest is... Hold on, I'm getting a call. No, where the hell are you? You're supposed to be here. What do you mean you can't make it? Oh my god, this is why I never trust Noah Houlihan. Okay, I gotta figure out a guest. I don't know who's gonna be a guest on this week's episode of the show. I think I can help out with that. Oh. Well, hello there. Now, who might you be, beautiful? I'm Jeff Stormer. I'm host of All My Fantasy Children. And I'm your next podcast guest, baby. anymore take me now wait jeff shit are you just gonna knock over your microphones these things are expensive jesus oh jesus you're right these i i you're right i can't believe that i almost broke my microphones all right let's tear down safely and then we'll do the thing all right Take me, you beautiful sexy. Well, now wait a second, boys. Huh? Don't you want to drink first? Wait, is that Jeff, Jeff Stormer from, from the Talking Knobcast? And so on and so on and so forth. Well, there you have it. The greatest love story of this or any generation. Thank you all for watching. Noah, never call me an amateur again. Thanks for that copyright strike, buddy. I really appreciate that. That's going to be great to get demonetized for that. Jeff Stormer and Jeff Stormer and Jeff Stormer, everybody. So uh, since we're, we're getting demonetized, uh, can you guys do us a big solid and contribute to the Flying V? I'm actually putting the link back into the chat right now. Boom. So if you guys could uh, make a donation to there, it would be super appreciated. I would really, really love that. Uh, our next competitor, uh, well, actually, before I go into that, I'm going to try not to mute myself this time when I do this. Uh, let me do it this way. Uh, the Quarantine Classic is coming up. It's going to be the next awesome audio. And you can see it now. It's going to be uh, refereed by Bryce Remsburg from AEW. You'll be hearing about Orange Cassidy from AEW a little bit later. So be sure to check out the Tournament of Promos, which is going to be on Awesome Audio on Thursday, featuring some absolutely fantastic promo artists. And, of course, Bryce Remsburg. And uh, speaking of wrestling, 
our next competitor knows a few things about wrestling. Oh, she is co-CPW Smash Brothers champion. You may know her by another name such as Isabel or Kimberly Spirit, but we know her as Katie V. So please enjoy Katie V's Slash Fiction. Hi, I'm Katie V, and my story is called Animal Crossing New Sexual Horizons. It was a peaceful day on Diarrhea Island, named by the asshole human that lived there. Isabel had fired her, filed her paperwork, cleaned and dusted her desk, as well as Jesus Christ, cat. <laughs> as well as Tom Nooks, who was running unusually late today. She bent over his desk to dust, trying not to knock over his knickknacks or photos of his creepy adopted children. Nephews? There was a rumor that apparently he just found a couple of tanukis somewhere and just like took them and then started teaching them economics or whatever and now they work for him? Even Isabel wasn't sure and she'd worked for him for years. One of the photos on his desk was older, showing a much younger and energetic Tom Nook. More svelte, more rugged. She gazed at it a while, biting her lip and twirling her hair. She had had many a fantasy about this Tom Nook over the years. The Tom Nook Isabel knew now and worked for had changed significantly, but while others saw a tired, aged raccoon, what she saw was a silver fox, distinguished and seasoned. A dad bod experienced in the ways of managing, commanding, manipulating, and mutual satisfaction. Isabel's tail began to wag involuntarily. Suddenly, she felt a cool breeze against her bottom, which she now realized was exposed. Her skirt and her vest had trunk in the dryer as she feared. The door to residential services slammed closed with a jingle. She quickly straightened herself up and turned and bowed. Mr. Nook, sir, good afternoon, she said, scurrying back to her desk across from his, hiding her blushing cheeks, all four of them. Good afternoon, Isabel, said Nook, slowly making his way behind the counter to his desk. He had sweat on his brow and seemed quite uncomfortable. Oh no, thought Isabel, he saw my butt! Isabel varied herself in her work. Cleaning this, organizing that, avoiding eye contact with Tom Nook. Occasionally out of the corner of her eye, she caught a glimpse and saw that he was still very out of sorts. While watering her desk plants, the top button of her tight, shrunken vest had given up and popped off, exposing her deceptively ample cleavage. She froze and blushed, looked up, and saw that Mr. Nook had seen that also. Isabel hurried past his desk and began shuffling through a filing cabinet, having no reason for doing so, but trying to look preoccupied. The sound of rifling through papers filled her sensitive dog ears, so much that she didn't hear footsteps approaching behind her. When she closed the filing cabinet, she could feel hot breath on the nape of her neck. Mr. Nook, she asked quietly, peeking over her shoulder. Isabel, he whispered, his tongue grazing her ear. He gave her scritchies and her leg began to thump. This was it, the moment she'd often fantasized about. Tom Nook's daddy energy and gentle yet commanding presence had always appealed to her. But like a dog chasing a car, she didn't actually know what she would do with one should she ever catch it. She turned and Tom Nook was face to face with her. She felt a great bulge against her leg. Isabel, I'm sorry, but as you know, I'm a tanuki. Yes, sir? And there's no better way to put this, but... As you know, we have enormous, unwieldy tanuki balls and we must release their contents lest they become very painful. Oh wow, holy shit, said Isabel. She looked down and the bulge against her leg was just one of Tom Nook's monster balls. 
Tom turned and put his hands on his desk, shoulders hunched and looking down in shame. Please, I hate to ask this of you, but in all the years we've worked together, I've never heard of this, said Isabel. How have you managed? Well, you're not exactly my first assistant, he admitted. I hired others to help me with my problem, but none of them stayed very long. I can't imagine why, cooed Isabel, moving closer to him. Isabel, I need you to help me get this nut off. Are you sure you're all right with this? Isabel paused, unbuttoning her top, and looked pensive. What would the others think, she wondered, while shimmying out of her panties? How could everyday work life go back to normal after all of this, she pondered, sniffing Tom Nook's asshole. She went to her desk, down the glass of whiskey that she keeps there every day when she makes her announcements, and returned to his side. Okie dokie! Oh, thank fucking God, sighed Tom Nook, and he whipped around, knocking everything off the desk Isabel had just finished organizing with his tail. Before she could pout, she was hoisted off her feet, and he bent her over the desk. Isabel was plenty squishy and DTF. I figured you'd like it doggy style, Nook growled into her ear. Shit suit, it'd be exact, she murmured. Not really great at the whole dirty talk innuendo thing. But that didn't stop Tom Nook from taking her on a tour throughout Pound Town as if she was. They did it on the desk, they did it on the chair, they did it on the floor, they did it on the counter, and back to the desk again. Suddenly, Isabel's ears perked up as she thought she heard whimpering. She looked up and saw tears in Tom Nook's eyes. What could he be thinking? Was it shame? Was it the picture of his family looking up at him from the heap on the floor? Was it remorse for defiling sweet, innocent Isabel? What's the matter, Mr. Nook? Isn't this what you wanted? Yes, he huffed. This is awesome. But my balls keep hitting the desk. Isabel frowned while Nook kept pounding away and grunting with pleasure pain. Like, she was sympathetic. She felt bad that he was in pain. But he was just, he was really hitting that spot. So she wasn't, like, gonna suggest stopping for him or before he would, which it sounds fucked up and kind of selfish, but also, if it hurts, fucking stop. <laughs> or say, hey, let's change positions. They're adults, and if honest communication isn't good for the mood, then... Anyway, Isabel cried out in pleasure as their encounter reached a fever pitch. Tom Nook persevered, powering through the sharp aching in his giant testicles. <laughs> Isabel, Isabel, oh, Mr. Nook, <laughs> take cover, Nook cried out on the final stroke. Isabel turned to flee, but wasn't quick enough. She felt a hot blast across her lunar surface. She heard grunting and moaning and clattering, a loud thump, and then silence. She looked over her shoulder and saw that Tom Nook had propelled himself backwards as if he'd loaded himself, in, himself into a jizz cannon and fired, fired into the copier. He and the strewn contents of his desk on the floor were now marinating in a pool of his essence. He lay there panting and staring at the ceiling, satisfied but also taking stock of any new aches and injuries. Isabel stood there for a moment, in shock, and unsure which mess to address first. She leaned down to help Tom Nook to his feet, but he swatted her hands away. No, 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 don't touch me, don't fucking touch me, he said, <laughs> then dropped his arms to his side, slapping the puddle beneath him. Isabel pulled her hands back. She looked down at the picture of Timmy and Tommy, two young Tanukis on the cusp of Tanuki manhood, and thought, I'm going to need a raise. Thank you. Katie V! Give me those T's in the chat. <laughs> Katie V. An absolute fantastic look at Animal Crossing. <laughs> uh, 
like I said before, as I switch my setup, uh, Katie is our champion over at Cosplay Pro Wrestling, and I'm actually doing a Cosplay Pro Wrestling panel tomorrow at 4 p.m. in this picture that is too small for you to see. Uh, basically, there is a... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. There is a... Saturday kind of like mini Comic-Con thing that goes on every Saturday on Smoozco on Twitch. And I'll be there at four o'clock. I will make this bigger for a moment, but you won't be able to hear me. So check that out. Well, I'll be streaming it here and I will also be streaming it uh, on their Twitch channel as well. So be sure to in come by if you're not doing anything tomorrow at 4 p.m. and we're going to talk about cosplay pro wrestling. Now, we got one more here in the amateur round and uh, she knows quite a bit about creating costumes as well as professional wrestling. She is the seamstress and owner of I should probably switch those. The owner and seamstress of uh, Closet Champion. She also hosts the Lug Lullaby Lounge on Twitch every Wednesday at 8 o'clock on her Twitch stream, which is Kate Nix, which you can see right now in the chat. Include your Twitch there so people can see it, so they can see the Lullaby Lounge on Wednesday. And now, without any further ado, here is Kate Nix. There had been rumors for a while. Things like this didn't happen at the Academy of Social Sciences, History, Arts, and Technology, or Asshat. Even the Asshat uniforms were tight-laced. Every student's posture was controlled by an aggressively boned velveteen blazer. And every morning, as the students lined up for attendance, Dean Frenster would measure the length of exposed cuff at each student's wrist. Every millimeter above the required three centimeters was punished with a half hour of Saturday detention. Before Facebook came around, the most debaucherous issue in recent asshat history was when Professor MySpace showed up to their homeroom drunk and started ranting about their crazy exploits back in the good old days. Not long after Facebook transferred from public school, they were dating Instagram. Honestly, it made sense. Instagram was asshat monarchy in their own right, and it didn't hurt that they looked like a total sex kitten in their corseted asshat blazer. Facebook was handsome and new, and Instagram laid claim to their real estate instantly. The first incident was right before Twitch took over the morning announcements. YouTube had reluctantly agreed to show up at the broadcast studio early to help Twitch learn how to run the show, and they discovered Instagram bent over the news desk, getting pumped full of hot data. According to some platforms, the reason it never got to the Dean was because Facebook paid YouTube to keep it quiet. The second major exploit was when Professor MySpace caught them defining Rule 34 under the bleachers at homecoming. But by that time, everyone knew their algorithms were insatiable. They were the it couple at Asshat and they constantly flaunted it by getting caught blasting each other with juicy content in every dark corner they could find. The time they spent in detention was a badge of honor, and gave them even more time to find corners to denude. What no one expected was WhatsApp. 
They spent most of their time in the basement computer lab with the other hacker wannabes. No one seemed to know anything about them, except that they were a notoriously sloppy dresser. It seemed like every week, WhatsApp was getting reprimanded by Dean Frenster for their sloppy cufflength and loose blazer laces. The punishment didn't seem to inspire them to shape up, either. WhatsApp's cuffs just got longer and longer, and soon they were spending every Saturday in a desk right between Facebook and Instagram. It wasn't long until everyone found out why. An encrypted conversation, platforms prime for integration. Say you believe it, say you believe it. Free yourself from your decision, adopt our new algorithm. We can achieve it, we can achieve it. Share a little more data, baby. Just sign on, just sign on, cause tonight is the night, let three become one, we need content, but we haven't needed much before, wanna own your assets, baby, don't need privacy, just show us some more, wanna own your assets, baby, set your ethics free, it's the only way to be. yourself on second chances let's do this right now let's do this right now we can share the space forever just the three of us together take it or get out take it or get out give me some of those connections baby turn them on turn them on Just show us some more Wanna own your assets, baby Set your ethics free It's the only way to be <clears throat> Kate Nix, everybody! <laughs> Give it up for Kate Nix! That is going to be our first round, and what a first round it was. Lots of cats, we got a song, we got three Jeff Stormers, we got a lot to talk about here in the first round. Uh, so this is what we're going to do. Uh, I've been talking to the uh, pro round, and they are panicked. So we're going to give them a few more moments. Uh, and I just want to go over a few things about how this is going to work. Uh, I'm going to drop a link off in the chat right now. This is where you can vote on who you think has won the amateur round of the Adult Fan Fiction World Championships. Real quick, uh, we had Zach Fernabach going up first doing the Tiger King speech. You can check him out at the Flying V Theater. Be sure to drop that link for donations one more time, Flying V Theater. 
we're going to do it way more than one more time. But please continue to do that. Uh, then we had Shelley Snyder all the way from England doing the Untitled Goose Game. Then Jeff Stormer did Jeff Stormer and Jeff Stormer from the Party of One podcast. Uh, Jeff, I never let you put a link in the uh, the chat, so be sure uh, check out Jeff Stormer's podcast, Party of One, or All My Fantasy Children, or Talking Nog. You can also check out the game he designed, uh, Mission Accomplish, and uh, something about a Star Trek ghost. I'm sorry, I forget the name of it. Jeff Stormer. Then we had Katie V, uh, also known as Kimberly Spirit, give us a lovely tour of Animal Crossing. And we finished up with Kate Nix talking about social media. Uh, I'm going to once again throw the poll in the chat to please click that link and you can vote for a winner. Uh, I'm going to ask all of our contestants that are in the chat to drop their social media and stuff in there. If you want to follow them, be sure to check out Kate Nix on Wednesday for the Lullaby Lounge. If you really enjoyed that song, she's going to do more songs. So check those out on the Lullaby Lounge. Uh, I realized that we never actually gave who won the uh, amateur round and I'm going to tell you right now, the results are shocking. But right now, it is a tie. The winner of the amateur, the winners of the amateur round of the Adult Fan Fiction World Championships are everyone but Jeff. Them, them's the breaks. <laughs> so, so congratulations to our winners. <laughs> but that, that, that's just how it works out. And that's going to do it for the Adult Fan Fiction World Championships Amateur Round. Join us next week for the Professional Round, where authors had to write based off of viewers' suggestions. So we have a whole nother round of the Adult Fan Fiction World Championship. If you're missing Stay Doomed, it'll be back very soon. But thank you so much for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel if you enjoy Adult Fan Fiction, or if you miss Stay Doomed and you want to see when Stay Doomed comes back. And also be sure to subscribe over on Podbean or iTunes or all those good things. Thank you so much for watching. And we will see you next time.